am there, and it always feels like when you say that, it always feels like I should hear like a band go da 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 da. da, 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 da you know? It's Chris Rock, Alex Simmons, Alex Simmons, Chris Rock. It's time to tell the damn story. Yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff. Right? That's right. That's right. Guy, here you're here. You made it, girl. <laughs> you know, and actually, Jimmy, it's funny. Jimmy Fallon's gonna be in touch with us now. Hey, that's my buddy. It's funny, you know. Hey, folks, how you doing? Try the veal. Uh, it's funny that we should play that that sort of game there, that little uh, audience cheer, all that garbage. Because I saw a photograph of you and the goddess from yesterday. And you yeah, guys were in a baby. car heading somewhere real special. Where was that? Uh, we were going to Bergen Pack. Me and the wife, we went to Bergen Pack last two nights. We're on spring break. And so that means we get to travel five miles. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, man! Wow, that that around. must have been expensive. And, uh, <laughs> Did you bring so passports? Friday night we saw um, Jim Brewer, and he was hilarious. But last night we saw Southside Johnny and Asbury Jukes, baby. Whoa! New, York, New Jersey uh, uh, mixed rock, classic rock. Uh, he's great. He's an ornery guy, you know. Uh, Southside. What do you mean ornery? You know, his, well, his peak, you know, him and the Jukes had a lot of hits. Uh, from around seven, 1976 to about 1984. Mm. Uh, they had two, three hits per album. You know, not maybe not top ten, but definitely FM and definitely regional superstars. You know, maybe not international, but uh, they have traveled all over the place. Um, but he's been putting out material since then. And uh, once uh, the indie market came in, he started putting out indie albums. Ah. So he's got about 10 or 12 more albums after his peak. And uh, that's, you know, he does a two-hour-plus show. First hour and a half is the stuff from the last, you know, 10 or 12 albums. Oh, the indie uh, stuff. Okay. The indie stuff, which, you know, the core audience knows, and I have a few of them, but uh, my wife didn't know. <laughs> and a lot of the fans who were there with their 1978 uh, Southside Jersey, uh, Southside Johnny and Asbury Jukes t-shirt that is way too small for them now. Ooh, uh, ooh, they, commentary. They didn't know, you know, they didn't know. Um, but he plays in recognizable styles. He plays uh, a great uh, uh, blue-eyed soul, and uh, sometimes he sounds like Philly soul, mm. and sometimes the Temptations, and sometimes, you know, uh, a very true and heartfelt uh, representation of Chicago blues, you know, mm. uh, sometimes a boogie-woogie, so it's always enjoyable. He's hilarious. He's got the horn section. He's got... Uh, the piano player is the band, is kind of the band leader. He's got this young drummer that really drove the sound. It was very enjoyable. And then, like, the last 45 minutes, he hits, he brings out the hits. Ah, and, from the 70s, you know, 80s, yes. Everybody starts rocking. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking around the Bergen Pack, which is a great, great place for a show. And um, me and T, you know, we got some years on us. Uh, we don't got Alex Simmons years on us, but we got some You years just on won't us. let that go. <laughs> <laughs> and we're looking around the audience, and we are at the young end of the scale. Really? So you weren't blowing like as when, much dust off of you as the others, right? At the end and rant, rush the stage, you know, and they're all lining up at the stage. They're all grandmas. There's grandmas rushing the stage. Oh. Look like, like, yeah. You know, there's a lot of canes, you know, and oh. walkers and stuff. And I'm like, ah, uh, bro. 
this is what classic rock and roll looks like. <laughs> wow, scary, folks, scary. <laughs> yeah, you know, Keith Richards said that he, you know, when everyone was like, oh, yeah, way older than you said you were going to be, being a Rolling Stone, he says, well, I want to keep going. I want to see what rock and roll looks like when it gets old. Well, be careful what you ask for. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. Just quickly, I'll, I'll you add know, the, that. the phrase grandma groupies, those two words shouldn't go together. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely, I had a similar experience, not not with the grandma groupies, but a similar experience uh, a few months know, back. few months back with Boz Skagg. So I enjoyed yeah, his music. Yeah, that's a great show. Yeah, I enjoyed his music, absolutely. But he did I, almost just what you described with Southside, which is mm -hmm. the, the majority of the, I'd say the first two-thirds of the show or the first three no in the first half to the two-thirds was new material which was great stuff and yeah, ran yeah. a lot of you know different um uh feels and moods and 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 styles and then he brought on boom you know the uh, a, 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 the group of hits you know back to back but then he also went back and then played something else so you, you know they're musicians they're not they're not uh, recordings, you know, we can we can throw the disc on or, or pop the CD in or or go on YouTube and look for the old videos if we want to just keep replaying the same old same old. But these are artists, and so they grow and they develop and they keep creating. And as long as they Speaking can, God which, bless them. What have you been doing? What, you been what doing have I been week? doing? Speaking of creating, yeah. creating, creating habit, creating chaos. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of all that. Um, <laughs> speaking speaking positively, I've been creating less havoc these days, but I am certainly uh, sword fighting havoc. Um, creatively, as a writer, uh, I'm working on a couple of things. Uh, one of them is, I think you know that I've been trying to really bring uh, the Mary Day stories, uh, Blackjack's sister Mary, I've been trying to bring those stories forward for a long time, I mean, I've, I've lived with that character almost as long as I have with Aaron Day, and had a lot of ideas. I have a bone to pick with you about Mary. Okay, well, we'll get to that in a moment, but I'm gonna just say right. this, you know. So I've been working- You let I'm, me know, I'm ready to pick that bone. Okay, well, why does that just sound so <laughs> wrong? You know, but I'm, I've got three, almost three and a half, uh, three, four stories that I'm about to release in uh, May or June of this year. It's going to be right on the cusp, right at the end of end of May, beginning of June, and uh, I'm still working on two of them in terms of editing and and, and fixing, and also discovering a few things. So uh, because I'm working on something else, also I'm not getting as much time in there working on the Mary Day stories. But that's that's one of the things. Well, let's talk about Mary Day, and then we so, want yeah, to hear what else is going. What's on, the bone but... that you you want to pick? Go go for well, it. Well, in in going over Alex Simmons' emails or Alex Simmons' uh, social media stuff, uh -oh. uh, I came across um, a reference, and it was, it may have been an older post, but there's a Mary, if I read it correctly, there's a Mary Day uh, story that is available now? Yes, yes, absolutely. Free. Well, we should have been, we should have been telling people that every episode since it came free. So that's my bone. So let's talk about it right now and unpick that bone. Let's talk about the, what is the name of the Mary Day story? Why does this guy scare me? Free so? for you. Out there. Anyone wants to read a free story of Alex, the legend of Simmons, this is one for free for nothing. Um, the okay. Story. So the story, it's a short story. It's called Desert Demons. And uh, it's, yeah. yes. And, and I'll put the link into our 
um, tell the damn story uh, comments area for everybody who wants to leap on online to get it. It's online, you know, so you don't have to go to the store. You don't have to jump, call up Amazon and get it delivered tomorrow. You can have it in a matter of minutes. But anyway, it's, uh, you know, first off, for those who don't know, um, Blackjack, Aaron Day, uh, my character, has an older sister. She's older by a year or so. And uh, when they, their, their parents died when they were about 15. They stayed a few more years in Europe, which is where they were when it happened. They stayed with friends of the parents and then eventually returned to the United States. And Mary basically went her, her separate way. She loves her brother. She says, we're always family. I'm always there for you. And bring your butt down to see me from time to time because, you know, otherwise I have to hurt you. But bottom line is she did not want to be living in the city or living in the same house with him, waiting to see if he made it back from another mission the way her, her mother had to do with their father. So she went and, of all places, chose to, in the United States, 1930s, to move to the south. This was a strategic era. <laughs> yeah, right. It was just a perfect place for black folks to go at that time. And why she did that, you know, when I originally had her do that, because we're talking 19, uh, uh, late 80s that I, I wrote one of these stories um, for Blackjack and where he says goodbye to his sister. Um, why she did that was, you know, she wasn't really sure. She just knew she wanted someplace that was country and, and a little bit like where her family came from. So bottom line, she moves there. And over the years, as I've written Blackjack stories, there have been stories where she's been there in the story or she sent him a letter and he's reading the letter or remembering scenes and moments with them from their childhood and always in my head I had all these stories that I wanted to do with her because to me she's she's just as important and she's really an integral part of his life but kept getting distracted diverted whatever so I've I finally um, I think it was Eric Battle was one of the first artists to, to uh, do a full story with her and that was a you six worked on uh, Tarzan with Eric right yeah that's right uh, Eric yeah great guy by the way he's in Philadelphia anybody wants to look him up give him work yeah, or, or buy his books our... or his art he's fantastic uh, Eric battle archives you can hear an interview with you and oh yeah that's that's very true but you're so on you point go. today you are on point archivist yes okay. so <laughs> Eric did a, a, a six-page story with her um, and then there's another story uh, called Color of Courage, where Aaron's having uh, an adventure, and he's simultaneously, we're, as narration, we're, we're reading a letter from Mary. And so these things were years ago, but it still, like I said, didn't get into doing more with her as, in her own stories. So recently I made a promise to myself, towards this, the middle you of last... self? Self, yes. With myself, I said that in, in 2019, I would release several of these stories no matter what. And it's not that I haven't tried before, but this time I said, I don't care. I don't care whether the, the, the masses are, are banging at the doors for it or there's one kid with, with a wagon, you know, and, and an ice cream cone, a melting ice cream cone. Can you get any stories about Mary? Either way, I'm doing that. So this year uh, I released, a, oh my goodness, when was it now? February, as a matter of fact. I released a uh, short story called Desert Demons. Uh, and again, it's free. You can uh, get it online by just going to uh, the link that um, I'll set up here for you guys. And, uh, you know, enjoy it. And hopefully uh, find yourself palpitating, as some have. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm waiting for the rest of the stories to be released later this, this, uh, this year. Which, again, not later this year. Let me be more accurate. As I said, end of May, beginning of June. That's it. Perfect for that first beach trip. 
Yes, exactly. The Avengers Mary Day. She's got the action, heart, brains, beauty. Wow, that and sounds pretty good. The, and all the trouble of the night being black in the 1930s. Yes. Which is just about the same kind of trouble being black in the 2019. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, there's been some improvement, but not yeah, enough yeah, to write home about. Sometimes yeah. it feels like we just one step forward and two steps back. Or in this know? case, 40 years back, yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah, that's 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 it. As a matter of fact, I'm trying to remember one of the, the lines from it is something like she's, she's a, um, all she wanted was uh, justice, peace, and something, you know, for a black woman in the 1930s that could get her killed. That's <laughs> right. You know. So, um, true. yeah, um, not that different today, but you know, yeah. I said my piece. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, thank you for bringing that up and, and you're right. Well, we hadn't talked about it. Getting off that easy. What else you been working on? Oh, well, you know, uh, speaking of again, blackjack, there's, uh, as we've sort of dabbled around, there's an option, uh, for the character that's floating around Hollywood. They're working to develop a TV series. If it all goes through, again, everybody light candles, cross fingers, uh, rub rabbit's feet, whatever else you want to do, that's good luck. Uh, if it all goes through, they're looking to develop a Blackjack TV series. That and would be wonderful. That wow. would, well, <clears throat> it would be wonderful, and just to prepare people, it'll be slightly different than one might be thinking, because it's Hollywood. <laughs> so, so one of the things, I think we talked about this on one show, um, Whatever happens, and, and I'm really working with, i got to say this just so it's on record, uh, the producers that I originally started dealing with um, some time ago have, have been great to work with. Uh, I won't mention names because I don't have their permission yet. <clears throat> but they've been great to work with. They've been as transparent as can be. Uh, we've had some great creative conversations. What happens, everybody who's looking for that Hollywood deal, what happens is once... The ball starts rolling forward, and you start having to talk to a lot of other people to make this thing happen. You hear a lot of suggestions. You hear a lot of confusion. You hear a lot of negotiations. You hear news. You hear delays. You All this stuff, it becomes like this whirlwind of leaves and things in front of your eyes. And what you got to do, to use the old phrase, is keep your eye on the prize. So uh -huh. you got to determine what it is you are willing to give up, and what it is you are not. And yes, try to be professional at all times, though you may want to say something about somebody's parentage. You shouldn't. You know, you know just you've, you've got to you gotta understand that ultimately, if you want the property done well, it will, you know, you put in that effort, it still may not look exactly the way you wanted it to look or you envisioned it would look. And you've got to be willing to collaborate on that. And again, to the point where you draw the line in the sand. And if you if you cannot cross that line after that, and they won't, you know, meet you halfway, then you know everybody has to go home. In which case, you you proudly walk out the door. You again stay away from anything about people's parentage, and you find yourself a, a place, you know, and you cry your eyes out for a little while, and then you get up and get going again. Because that's but, what but I've done for years. I know that this has been. A long, long journey. Oh, yeah. And people have been interested in Blackjack since, oh, man, almost since his inception. 
I can honestly um, say the second the second uh, Comic Con that I did in San Diego, which would be oh 1998, was the first time I was being um, approached, wooed, whatever you want to call it, by Hollywood. Yeah. yeah, and you know, it's just that's that's the reality check, everybody. I mean, we all have dreams, uh, and the best solution to not, you know, go go losing your mind or going in a deep intre- depression of the first one to seventy-two uh, <laughs> uh, swipes at Hollywood don't work out is to keep work, keep working on the next project, keep working on the next project, and you know, um, no matter what happens. That's the idea. And it's, 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 and Chris, you know it. It's very much the same thing with, with novels or anything else. Yeah. You create your thing. You create your baby. You put it out. The moment you say, I'm offering it to others to help make it happen, you have to be prepared for everybody getting their fingerprints on it. And yeah. again, you have to know where the cutoff is. You just, uh-huh. yeah, you know. And sometimes it's really hard. It's it's really, really hard. And, and I think it. The thing for everyone to remember is don't give up. Never, mm. ever, ever give up. Sometimes you have to go in a different direction. Sometimes you have to take your lumps, you know. Uh, yep. If we can transition a little bit, I'll talk about I have, you know, uh, four novels that have been very well reviewed on Amazon and, and Goodreads. And, you got a couple uh, of awards too, right? I got a couple of awards and that kind of stuff, but they were independently published. I got um, I got some information that ultimately was not um, was not correct or was not helpful. Uh, in that, you know, you have to publish, you have to uh, uh, independently publish, and then uh, you will attract uh, attention, and they'll be bought and all this sort of stuff. Uh, that's very rarely happens. I think there's Three or four, maybe two, maybe two that I think off the top of my head. Martian was one of them um, that went from purely independent, like I put out, and you've, you know, some of the stuff you put out, uh, to a major motion picture or something like that. Or wasn't uh, wasn't Fifty Shades one of those? Well, yes, <laughs> but it's all well. You know, it made a lot of money and uh, established her career, and God bless her for that. But also. Her reputation is always, you know, with some snickering in the background because it wasn't, when it was published, it was snatched up because softcore porn was, you know, women's, you know, women's romance slash softcore porn uh, was just exploding in the Kindle era because you could read it publicly and no one would know, right? Um, so <laughs> Don't see the tasty really, covers, huh? Yeah, this was flash fiction that turned into a publishing and exploded but the knock on her god bless her and i wish her all the best but the knock on her is that this stuff that wasn't well edited is has some repetition and you know she talks about the goddess she talks about you know uh there's some awkward phrases uh, uh uh intimate phrases and stuff and with a strong editor i think uh it would have been just as a, uh, successful and it would have She's still, she's still kind of building a career. Having been established and made a ton of money, you know, now she's going for writing respects. Mm-hmm. So, God bless her. Best of luck, you know. Um, but that was one Martian, you know, when it was transferred 
Uh, there was a lot of work that been was done from his independent version to uh, the, the published version, and then the movie exploded, and they put out, you know, another paperback cover with, with the, the movie poster as the cover, and it sold, was on the bestseller list again, so God bless him. Um, but... Those are those rare what moments. What happened was, you know, now this the stuff, this these novels that I've worked on, there's three detectives, there's three detective books, one of which is a collection of short stories, two novels, which have been very well received and won an award, uh, two awards. Um, and uh, then there's Genius High, and then there's uh, A Simple Rebellion, which is very timely. But because they're independent, no so-called legit or bigger publisher will look at them. Uh, so I got to, you know, you got to start fresh. And that really has been one I've been working on. Part One of the things I've been working on this week is writing a book that is aimed, you know, I mean, write, I, you write the story that's in your heart or else, you know, you're hacked, right? So um, I really, the story stayed with me for a long time. It's called Perfect. Uh, it's about a young girl uh, who might be uh, genetically uh, designed by her mom. Uh, her mom is a geneticist who works for the military, and, and they have spent $3 trillion trying to develop the you know, the genetically enhanced perfect soldier, because then they would have an advanced uh, army. Uh, and it has... They've gotten closer, but it keeps failing uh, to horrific uh, ends. Um, it becomes uh, apparent that the girl passes all the tests. She doesn't know she does. Mm. Uh, and then she becomes, So she's not aware that she's... She's not aware. She ah. just knows her mom is way overprotective. That's gotcha. how she sees everything. Um, and because it was, she didn't want her, her, uh, any attention on the kid because people would start putting two and two together. Um, but once it becomes apparent, then according to the U.S. military and the U.S. government, she is property of the U.S. military to the tune of $3 trillion. And yeah, I can see where they might be a little possessive about that, because that's not exactly yeah. chump change. So you can, you know, I, I think one of the most fun things you can do with a, a villain is make their position understandable. And, you know, that, that the readers can, I can see their side, but she's a 16-year-old girl, <laughs> you know, or 16 or 15, I think 16. And she just, you know, she wants to do what she wants to do. Um, so uh, chaos and pursuit ensues. And uh, when I, I'm almost finished that, when I finish that, that is going to go on market in the old-fashioned way. And um, uh, I think not only is it... Uh, got wide appeal and uh, a great story and it became a story because I burned it in my heart and all that stuff but uh, this week uh, I haven't written a lot this week because I was at a point it's about it's the incident in the middle of the book that tilts everything towards you know, the, it, towards the big climax mm-hmm. you know so it's a little maybe if it was a movie, it'd be about somewhere between seventy and ninety minutes in, maybe ninety minutes. The big, mm. you know, the big turn. Um, and uh, it felt forced and inorganic. 
mean, it's the worst thing for a writer, right? Uh, I, can you write something when it feels forced and organic? It stops me right away. No, I would, so. I would say that especially when, and I say this to my students, especially when you really have spent time with your characters, you know, you know, no, this well, is not working. <laughs> right, right. And if that happens, you know, the other part, uh, you know, Chuck Dixon was the one who made it clear in my mind. He's a great comic book writer who does novels now. Um, but he said, you know, sometimes when I'm writing, I'm mowing the lawn, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of a, a story problem with this. That, well, that was what was happening to me. And much to my amusement, uh, you know, my, uh, my alias, my secret identity during the day, is that of a high school teacher. Now you've so gone and blown week, it. That's right. Shh, don't worry. <laughs> I am Iron Man. Um, so uh, this week we were doing state testing, which, you know, if you want to know how I feel about state testing, read Genius High. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there I was, proctoring an exam. And, you know, you're supposed to do nothing but watch the kids and walk up and down the aisle and make sure they're okay and make sure everything's fine and that they keep working. And if there's anything they need besides answers, because you can't help that, that's what you're supposed to do. So I don't bring any books. I don't bring any grading. I don't even bring my, you know, my laptop to do, you know, anything at all like that. Um, and I won't take out my phone or anything like that. So what happens every year is that's when, when I, I tell myself I can't, you know, I have to focus on this and nothing else. That's when my subconscious is really working. And it says, oh, really? Uh, yes. The, the, the scene that wasn't working for me came to me while I was walking up the, down the aisles making sure everybody was doing well. Uh, and there was a little extra scrap paper. <laughs> so, when no one was looking, I took a piece of scrap paper and then I folded it up so small that it could fit in my shirt pocket. And, and I walked around a couple more aisles and, and the idea is screaming in my head, this is what happens, this is what happens. And I'm seeing every scene. I'm seeing yes, yes, hope, yes, yes. So I went to the back of the room and I took out that little piece of paper that now fits in the palm of my hand. And took out my pen. Wrote down a little things, put it in my pocket, walked up a couple of down the aisles a couple more times, came back, wrote the next little bit of the scene. <laughs> I was in such a moral dilemma because you know as a writer, yeah, when those ideas come, you have to write them down or they could disappear. Oh, yes. You know, some people some people say, um, you know, some people say, well, if it's a really good idea, it'll stick. Oh, please. And, just, and, and when someone says that to me, I said, yes. Um, you know, there was a woman on, uh, in, a woman who was, her house was in the middle of a flood. It was pouring rain, it was flooding, and she was up on the top of the roof because the only thing that wasn't flooded and uh, she prayed God to, uh, to save her. And an uh, uh, old dude came by in a rowboat and said, get in, get in. She said, okay, my Lord's going to save me. And he said, okay, and he rowed away. And then uh, uh, a, a couple of kids came over in a raft. They said, come on, jump in, jump in. We're okay, we got room. Said, no, my Lord's going to save me. And then it, it got so high, it was like it just she was on, sitting on the chimney. That was about all that was left. And a guy came over in like a, a police boat and said, Jumping, he says, it's okay, it's okay, my Lord's going to save me. He's like, yeah, lady, I can, there's all the people i got to save. And he goes off. And uh, you know, God spoke down and said, listen, I sent three boats. What more do you want? <laughs> so when, you know, when the gift comes of the scene of the idea, write it down. Yes. Write it down. Bring a notebook, bring some into the paper. Or if you're in a test where you can't write it down, 
get a little piece of scrap paper, wrap, fold it up in, and when no one's looking, take those little notes. And then, <laughs> if you're trying to keep that a secret, don't announce it. On the well, podcast. I think you know it's unburdening my soul, and it was uh, over a two-hour chat. It was a good 120 seconds. So if you want to dock me two minutes, that's cool. There you go. Um, there you go. But it was, you know, it's just it was the the battle of uh, the writer. School teacher, it was hilarious. My backpack, but, um, my backpack has at least three different things on which I can write. Not to mention, as you have done as well, we both have recording devices in our phones. Yes, and then there's the notepad in the phone. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, those. please make sure there's no time when I don't have some way of writing an idea right. down. But you know, the funny thing with the testing is that we make sure the kids don't have their phones, so that you know, we got a drawer full of cell phones from the kids and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, you can't have a phone. What's good for the kids is good for you. You can be whipping out a phone when these kids don't have it. So it went to pen and paper, and I thought it was really funny. And, uh, you know, my heart was, I was trying to do the right thing in both by the teacher in me and the writer in me, and I just found it very comical. So uh, that's one of the big things I'm working on. Um, do we talk about the other one? Sure. Well, it's it's in the what if stage, uh, but it's it's directly related to tell the damn story. So, um, over this last year or so, I've gone back to short story magazines, and I have um, I have, of course, there's uh, Elder Queen, and there's Alfred Hitchcock, and those are really cool, and there's the Isaac Asimov science fiction one. Um, but I found this whole almost underground, very quiet, independent, pulp uh, um, subgenre or, or community, you know, where it's a modern pulp and a few others. And there's this one, uh, I think Rusty Barnes does it called Tough. It's a really great inspirational magazine. Uh, that's kind of a, a very independent, you can do it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just the, these magazines will not let me alone. Uh, one, I'd love to be publishing a bunch of them, and that's you know another one of the projects I could go in and all that stuff. But um, I'm at the what if stage, and I had a conversation with you yesterday about the what if. Yep. Um, By the way, what if, folks, is is one of our our coin phrases. But it actually stands for what, you know, how our imagination or how many people's imaginations work. You say what if, and you run with that concept. What if such yeah. and such happened to so and so? So, yeah. uh, the famous the famous example is uh, one of the Hollywood producers used to do it at the dinner table. And one night his kids said, uh, what if uh, Peter Pan grew up? And, and that became the movie Hook with Ron Williams mm-hmm. from, from, you know, just that game. So everybody does it. A matter of fact, I'm very excited to, uh, to, to uh, look forward to, um, I think it's D.C., uh, no, excuse me, Marvel through their Disney Plus channel. You know, they're going to do a bunch of Avengers TV shows, but they're also going to do a What If show. I don't know if you remember that comic book. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right? Be, what if the Fantastic Four had different powers? Yeah. What if, you know, uh, uh, Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? What if... Well, the then the Watcher is this. And and, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And it would just... It was just so much fun because it didn't have to... Uh, uh, fit into continuity. It was just a different take on, you know, uh, 
the known, yes. Yeah, I yeah. hear that one of them is, what if Peggy Carter became, became Captain America, you know, and her scrawny assistant was Steve Rogers. <laughs> That's going to be a fun show. Yes, it would. Yes, it you know, would. So anyway, we're playing the what if, and um, I, I started asking myself, what if Tell the Damn Story was a pulp magazine? celebrating uh, genre writing and um, uh, we have some special uh, spins on how we would present stuff which and, we're not uh, going to tell you now but yes know that it's out there now but it's it's really about building community and giving people a, a lot of a lot of good fun stuff so uh, I pitched that to you and from what if we go to business plan, from business plan, we research money. Money, you know, budget, strategy, plan. yes. Yeah. The Sauron of these what-ifs yes. is always money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the evil eye looking at you. <laughs> there is no so, way around that. Yeah, and well, you know, this I've always resisted it, but this might be something I'd be willing to do a GoFundMe on or one of the many other out there, but that's still research. Mm -hmm. um, but it's exciting to see project beginning to uh, get fleshed out, and um, you know how these things can completely take over your life. I mean, literally, Alex. You know how these projects can take <laughs> over your life because you're a week away from the 13th Kids Comic Con. <laughs> I want you to talk to me about when was that a what if? Oh, the secret origin, ladies and gentlemen. Oh kids my goodness. Uh, okay, so let's step into the wayback machine. Um, you know, honestly, I it was longer than thirteen years ago because what happened was, let's say maybe fifteen to sixteen years ago, as the comic book industry began to change in terms of how or I should say, what, what audience they were seeking, where they thought the money was, or where they thought the, you know, the, the, the fan base really was. And also how, you know, un, to some degree, unfortunately, uh, some of my peers, you know, age-wise, um, had really gained a, a strong footing in the industry and were sort of now having their fantasies come true through their writing. And were creating far more mature or racy, or uh, violent, or whatever. Yeah, you know, I mean, they were they were just really just enjoying the heck out of themselves, you know. And so it took comics from being an all-age property to uh, an adult property, you know. And that meant a number of things, but one of the things that it did do is it, it sort of slammed the door on the fingers of a lot of young teens and kids, children. And yeah. I felt that was a problem. So we're talking... Oh boy, uh, we're talking the '90s, early early '90s. Uh, I started seeing this this trend that was happening, and I kept trying to talk some of the cons that I was going to into just having a kids section. And I've told this story many times before, so I'll I'll do this quickly. I just wanted them to have an area that was specifically for the kids and you know young young teens and children, basically because a lot of the other comics that were being sold at these events, and the people who were creating them were more uh, more visual in the flesh, as it were. 
and the subject matter and the artwork was more grisly and intense or sexually intense. And so right next to Scooby-Doo and Felix the Cat and Archie and all those other things, right next to them. So in trying to get some of these other groups to do these things, you know, do a kid's area, I got some, you know, cooperation, but a lot of, a lot of no, 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 we, there's no market for it or, or we, you know, we can make more money doing this. And, and so finally I was given an opportunity at the uh, East Coast Black Age of Comics uh, to do a kid's corner. And they've kept that going, as a matter of fact, over the years. Uh, but then a couple of years after I did that with them, uh, a school up here in New York City, the college up here, I met one of their uh, educational outreach people, and he gave me an opportunity to start developing programs with them. And eventually, uh, again, 13 years ago, after, after you know, several months before that, he said to me, well, what else would you like to do? You've done workshops with the kids. You've done conference panels with teachers and kids on comics. And everything. What else do you want to do? And I said, well, I'd like to do this Comic-Con to show people that all age and family, you know, has, has a place. And we did it. And I was only supposed to happen one time. But, yeah, yeah, yeah right. It was, that was it. It was just to show people that it could be done. And the reaction from not only the, 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 the audience, the patrons, uh, was so outrageously wonderful. But also, with the doors closed and all the patrons gone, I turn and there are all these publishers and artists freaking out over finally having the opportunity to see their work in the hands of kids and parents and, and teachers and all that, and seeing them enjoying it and wanting more of it and all that. And these guys are bouncing off, guys and gals are bouncing off the walls, jumping up and down and banging on the tables, going, you're going to do this again, you're going to do this again. And I thought, well, I hadn't intended to. <laughs> so, you know. Oh, all right. Yeah. It, you know, and again, I'd be lying if I said, you know, they twisted my arm and made me because that wasn't it at all. Uh, I have to say that seeing that, seeing that, that thing that had been in my head for, for several years and then working with some great people and making it happen was intoxicating. It was it was just as rejuvenating and inspiring to me as it was to some of the people standing there. And so, yeah, uh, thanks to Bronx Community College and Eugene Adams and all the wonderful artists and publishers and performers who've come through the doors to help make this happen every year. And this is an initiative, by the way. <clears throat> this is not, uh, oh, we're making goo gobs of money here and we're, we're growing and we're gonna be at the Javits Center next year. That's not it. But what it is, is an initiative, uh, a project that, in effect, I guess the best way to describe it, with, with me and, and a few other people at the, at the helm, uh, we managed to, every year, for 13 years now, pull together some wonderful friends and, 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 and uh, associates who, who care about kids and who care about literacy and who care about creativity and imagination and validating uh, a child's desire to discover and be curious and they're willing to put in the hours, uh, you know, months for those of who work on producing the thing, and then you know, eight hours uh, on that particular day to make it well, a let's wonderful talk, experience. Let's break that down a little bit because you know the, the potential Tell the Damn Story magazine is in the what ifs uh, stages, while your uh, kids Comic Con is the uh, uh, we made the what if happen, mm -hmm. right? So. Let's talk about, uh, okay, so this is happening on what, April 20th? April 20th, 2019, from 10 right, in the morning so until 6 in the evening, yes. At the at Bronx Community College. Right, in um, the Bronx. 
So funny let's, that. Let's talk about when did you start planning for April twentieth, twenty nineteen. Um, I think it was April 22nd of 2018. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You like know. right after the last one. Yep. It takes, and, and early on, what is the thoughts? Are, are you just confirming you guys still into doing this next year? Well, or or when, where do you start? Let me let me say this about that. Definitely that thought that you just mentioned is, is there and has been there several times over the past four years. Because there's there's two there's two things to recognize. There's how well it has done, and then what more do you want for it? And <clears throat> my desire for it, and then is over the past ten years, has been more. It's I've wanted it to be bigger, not bigger as an oh. So again, we're making great glue gobs of money, and we're at the Javits Center. No, what I meant is I want it to be able to accomplish more. I want I want more people to be able to benefit from it. I There are several things I wanted to see happen during it to make available to the kids and families that come. So I have two things. I have the visions in my head that have been percolating, developing, and screaming for years. And then I have, from the practical side point, because you do have to plan things. Notice how I left that alone, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I just, just be quiet. <laughs> I have what's you know a, a digital mind map that I created that has almost all the appendages that go to creating this kind of a show, whether it's for KCC here in New York or to move it anywhere. Because as you know, over the years, it's grown beyond just being the annual event at Bronx Community College. Sure. So you map things out. You 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 envision. You do what if constantly. Because you want to know, what else can we do? What if I tried this? What if we had more of that? And you look at, okay, yeah, what would that look like? How would that come about? Who would you have to talk to? And you start making notes and building that, that, that schematic. And so I've and done part that. And part of it is vision, and then part of it is working the problems that get in the way of the vision mm -hmm. until the vision comes real. And as you said, it always comes down to money. If you have it, you can buy the things that you need. If you don't, then you got to figure out how do I barter or, you know, make it myself. It's, you know, again, I'm going to show my age. See, our gang comedy is where I got a bar and let's put on a show, right? You know? Yeah. Wow. Okay, Methuselah. Yeah, it, um. it is that, you know, it is. It's like, how do we, how do we make this, this event happen with this thing since we don't have the money to buy the stuff that goes with it? What can we salvage together? that would make it work? Who can we call on for a favor? You know, all those things. That's wild. And then, and then it, you know, you have a core group that helps. But, uh, and, and they are golden. God bless them. Well, yeah, and, and here's, here's that other but thing. But still, there's a heavy amount of it on your shoulders. Yeah, well, there's, yes. And, and because of uh, the thing I'm about to mention, sometimes that weight gets even heavier. Because you can commit to a dream your dream in particular your vision your passion you can absolutely commit everything to that at the at the at the risk of family friends job whatever but if you're if you're so passionate blindly passionate or or passionately passionate about this thing that you know is right you can commit to it heart you know body and soul you can't expect everyone else to and life goes on and after a certain period of time if you're not 
if the people aren't locked into your thing for whatever the reason, you know, money or whatever else, they go, you know, at some point they go on their way with, with blessings, you know, both ways. So some of my core team for the past five years are no longer on the East Coast. In the past eight, nine months, they've moved. You know, they've had to get on with their lives and they've moved to the West Coast. They've moved south, you know, uh, people who not only did the KCC programming with me and, and all of that, but also all the little satellite events that we did, like with Ronald McDonald House and with some of the conventions and venues that we've worked with up and down the East Coast from Buffalo to Miami. So these are, these are you know, real, it's a reality. It's a reality that you've built a business, in effect, I've built a business that depends on the kindness of strangers and friends. <laughs> that's, really, that's really what it is. And, you know, there's the reality is how much longer can you go? And in the middle of all that, I have the audacity to want to dream even bigger. Well, that's, that's Alex Simmons in a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> For as long as I've known him, it's been what, what do the kids need? What can we do for them from um, the, uh, what was the Bronx Creative Arts for Youth? Oh, wow, yeah. To putting on the plays written and produced by kids or written by us and produced and uh, featuring entire children's casts. Non-pros. To Comic-Con. Yeah. You've, you know, you've always been. Well, you know, I, I, I thank you for that. And I really have seen a lot of that in you as well. And I, I have to say that... Um, people who've seen me speak and and I've been blessed to be able to do that not only locally but nationally and globally a good deal of the time I, I start my speeches out by talking about my mom who's no longer with me and I talk about the fact that you know how she dealt with you know us not having any, any real money and my father not being there and a lot of other things her bad health I mean literally in and out of the hospital and still not imparting to me a belief in we can't because we, we we can't because we're black we can't because we're poor we can't because we don't know the right people we can't because we don't speak a certain language you know she she didn't teach that to me she did push for me to try and earn whatever i went after and to try and if i failed you know to to take that as a lesson and get up and try something else but she didn't teach me the opposite so to some degree my imagination as a child and then my eventual development as, a, as an adult is there's a problem, work it out. You know, take, take a risk, work it out. And I know that based on that, I've been able to go from the poor kid on, in, you know, out of Harlem or you know, the west side of Manhattan at one point to someone who's, who's been flown to other countries to speak and participate in events. And that means that there are a billion other children out there who if somehow we can create an environment where they can be nurtured and grow and their imagination stimulated and they'd be given some basis of, of belief in themselves, that they can do it too. Subsequently, I don't see any reason not to do it. True. And, you know, to, today's uh, Tell a Damn Story was about, if you haven't guessed by now, <laughs> you know, the journey to telling that damn story, right? And and whether it's the story, kids need this, or what if we did this magazine, or, you know, can I make a, uh, write a book that would be marketable in, you know, the 
majors, you know, or whatever, or, or can my character make it all the way through the Hollywood process? All of this is about working the problems to tell the damn story, right? Working the problems to get to yes. And one of the things that has been the center of the, of the friendship between Alex and I is that we both believe in yes. We believe in <laughs> getting to yes. And in a, in a, a, a world that says no more these days than, a, uh, than in, uh, well, it just seems like it's more these days. Uh, it's I know there are more ways to hear it. <laughs> yeah, there's more ways to hear it. There's more ways for, you know, toxic fandom to come and, and crap on a, uh, someone's idea. Or, you know, you have, for example, the new Star Wars uh, trailer came out and millions of people were like, this is great. Millions of people, here's why it sucks. And, <laughs> you know, why? Why? Why be so negative? You know, if you don't like the show, don't buy a ticket, baby. There you go. You know? There you go. But it's, you know, we hoping that this, uh, just about an hour, uh, you know, teaching by example or sharing by example will, will give some people heart because I the, the struggle is real and the journey is long. You know, Richard Price gave me advice one time. He says, it's about getting your butt in the seat and it's a long, lonely journey. Mm. Uh, but if if it's burning more enough in your heart, that's what you have to do, you know. So I hope this was helpful. May I add one uh, thing to that, old boy? way of being creative and telling the damn story. Yeah. Can I add one more thing to that? You can do whatever you want to do. Yeah, you're going to go, right? <laughs> I'll see you, man. Yeah. Um, again, Chris Chris actually alluded to it uh, in his in his last few uh, words there, uh, and it is the theme of this year's Kids Comic Con, which is Team Titans, T-E-A-M. Um, it's about collaboration and cooperation and community. And our partnership on this show was preceded by years of friendship, but also a partnership on different projects. Uh, oh, yeah. From kids' Jeez. plays to, you know, writing things together. So, ultimately, <laughs> yeah. That goes far back. Yes. The Wizard of the Evil Eye, The Garden, all that. Oh, my God, that goes so far back. Yes, it does. <laughs> it, goes, it goes back, my friend, to pre-children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were we were buck wild youngins. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, seeing as how I'm so much older than you, I'm not sure I was that buck wild young. But the, 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 what I'm saying is that sometimes to accomplish your goals, you have to find the right people to pursue it with. And even if they don't stay on the journey with you, they helped you move further. Closer. And I, can I add one thing? You know, absolutely, because that's how we are. That's how we roll. We were, one of the reasons we had see it, bro. <laughs> one of the reasons why we have a friendship is because I didn't take no for an answer. You know, uh, who was the initial person I spoke to at Kids Creative Arts for Youth? Bronx Creative Arts for Youth was Bronx Barbara Creative Barbara Arts. Barlow, wasn't it? Barbara Barlow. And she said to me in the interview, I'm not impressed. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Well, what do you got a lot of props of? What, what do you have a lot of in your props? And she said, hats. And I went home that weekend and wrote uh, Billy Wizard in the Evil Eye, utilizing all those props. And uh, that's what gave us, a, she gave me a second chance because of that uh, uh, script. Um, 
And it was hilarious because it was, you know, what I was applying for was to work for free. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, it wouldn't have cost her anything. She still you, said, "I'm you not." You gotta impressed. keep at it, even when it's for free, and even when the the, the wonderful Barbara Barlow tells you she's not impressed. Those guys, you know, they must be the nicest people in the world. They tell you no. Sometimes you gotta keep going and say, "But wait a minute." Yeah. Have you seen this? You haven't seen. <laughs> yeah, you haven't seen my best trick yet. Oh, yeah. But anyway, it you know that's another story that we have told, and boy, we've got a million of them. So, folks, I do hope that this has been you know uh, a supportive, if not inspirational, uh, episode for you. Uh, that you know you gain something from the the uh, reminiscences and the experiences least, that we've had. At least a chuckle or two. Yeah, well, I'm sure they got as that. As we told the damn story. Yes, yeah, once too. again. <laughs> okay, everybody, I'm gonna put. Thank you again, uh, Chris, for bringing up the uh, Merry Day Chronicles. I'm going to put the link to that um, free story in there. And um, also, thank you for bringing up KCC, because uh, this time next week, I will be recovering from it. You know? Yeah, but I'll tell you what, if you're in the New York area and you can get to Bronx Community College, what's it, from 11 to 4? 10, 10, uh, 10 to 6, but, you know, who's 10 counting? To 6, right? I'm sorry, 10 to 6. <laughs> And you have, uh, if you have an interest in creativity, come. If you're a librarian, come. If, if you're you a teacher, come. If you're a parent with kids, kind of come. Stuff. Yeah. If you're young at heart, you know, come. Yeah. yeah, come on. It's, and, and by the it's way, a folks. Fun time. Right. By the way, just for those of you who have like six or seven offsprings, nieces, nephews, whatever, and you go, oh my God, how much is it going to cost me? Kids 17 and under are free. That's because it's a kid's Comic Con. Right. They're free. <laughs> okay. 18 and over, we. We ask or suggest maybe maybe a donation of six bucks or five bucks, but that's it. You know, so we're not talking about break the bank here. So free you can't seventeen get a and under. Deal in the tri-state area, ladies yeah, and really, gentlemen. You know, where are you going to get that from? You know, anywhere else. No, no way, baby. <laughs> okay, everybody. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And All right, brother, peace. We'll be here next week. Adios. Adios. Peace.